1: This is a worldwide podcasting radio network syndicated show
0: Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It is the voice of the people on Monday, September 11 2017 It's the voice of the people with Mark Lee and Dean Geronimo. I am the six man Dean Geronimo and Mark Tell me something good my brother
2: Hey, I'm doing good. You know, sitting here chilling in North Carolina. It's a little overcast right now. We just had a little bit of rain. They said we might get a little bit more, but they're saying that the western part of North Carolina is going to get hit more with Irma than we're going to get hit. So we're just going to be dealing with a little bit of rainfall and things of that nature. But uh, Irma's not going to do any uh, serious damage. I mean, we might get some wind. We might get some trees toppling. But considering what they've got going on in places like um, – Houston that had to deal with Harvey and down in Florida, and I got friends that have got property in the Virgin Islands, and, you know, down down there, they just got devastated by Irma. They got, you know, boats that look like matchsticks and houses that look like rubble, so they definitely dealing yeah. with some serious damage down there, so we definitely got to have them in our prayers and things of that nature. So, uh, that's what's going on here. Like I said, it's just a little overcast, but uh, I just came back from a Meeting with one of the boys that I belong to, so we're trying to have some board matters going on, and we all got out there. And now that we had our meeting, it's time to chill out and do this show. Uh, so uh, you know, ready yeah. to whip and roll and things of that nature. I saw that uh, you know we always talk about things going on in the world, but uh, mm-hmm. I was in the paper today and I saw that Miss Hillary Clinton said that she is done with being a candidate. But you know, <laughs> Dean, I'm beginning to think that Hillary might be listening to our show. I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, she said something in her interview that we said now for a while because it says that uh, she was speaking on uh, CBS Sunday morning, and, uh, and she got a memoir that's out called what happened, but she says she's going to be an active politician, and she says, but I'm not done with politics because I literally believe that our country's future is at stake. She also was critical right. of President Donald Trump's preparedness for the White House. She said, and we said this on our own show here, he said, and I quote, we have a reality show that leads to the election of a president. He ends up in the Oval Office. He says, boy, it's so much harder than I thought it would be. This is really tough. I had no idea. <laughs> Clinton said, well, yeah, because it's not a show. It's real. It's reality right. for sure. <laughs>
0: wow. And, and you know what? It, it, I guess some people don't realize what uh job actually entails and and a lot of times i mean for him he probably thought you know what i've run businesses before this is going to be easy and and when he got into it and found out that the world is not so forgiving you know and, and there are a lot of things that he was not privy to but now as the president he has that information so it's a it, it hit him in the face. It's like, oh my God, what is going on with all of this stuff? I had no clue, you know. But I'm still gonna try to fire as many people as I, I can possibly terminate because that's what I do, you know. And it's almost like, dude, take a step back, sit down for a second, learn some things, and then maybe you can speak uh, intelligently on what's going on instead of having a knee-jerk reaction and, and making threats. And, you know, I mean, you can't threaten people like Kim Jong-un, man. It's, it's like you really want to find out what, I don't know. Like I said, hopefully it, these it, years fly by. <laughs> I'm not trying to rush life they,
2: but... <laughs> I, hope they, I hope they fly by too because, you know, he, he even broke they, another article checked out said that he has even broken one of his own promises. Else to do? he do? broke himself of his promises. But you know, he promised, oh, that, he work, he promised that he was not going to work. He promised he was not going to work with foreign entities. But guess what? His company just did. It said a major construction company owned by the Chinese government was hired to work on the latest Trump golf club development in Dubai, despite a pledge from Donald Trump that his family business would not engage in any transactions with foreign government entities while he served as president. So they've already done found out that he's already broken that promise, and he's over there and has got a deal going on on this lovely new uh, development they got that apparently includes a golf course uh, designed by Tiger Woods. So, you know, he's already broken that promise, and, you know, his company is having to backpedal on things of that nature. Uh, so, matter of fact, it says the Chinese company was appointed by DMAC. To undertake some infrastructure work and to build one of their hospital, hospitality, hospital, hospital, in hospitality developments. There's <laughs> um, the Trump Organization official who asked for, oh yeah, he's going to ask for not being named. That's just wrong. The official mm-hmm. said the wow. residential project and the golf course are totally unrelated, despite marketing materials including brochures, websites, and news releases showing them intricately tied together. DMAC, that's D A M A C all Capitals, you know, one of them acronym kind of deals, and C-E-C did not respond to messages about the development. Well I'm not surprised. The company's contract is for work on the Trump World Golf Club Dubai project, which boosts of living on a grand scale with a golf course designed by famed American golfer Tiger Woods, thousands of sleek modern villas, restaurants, shops, schools, nurseries, and a lake. And they even attended, oh, wow. Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. attended a ceremony to open the first golf club after their father spent years trying to break into the Middle Eastern market. So they did that back in February. So uh, despite the fact that they're saying that they were not going to do any of this stuff,
0: guess what?
2: They're doing it.
0: So, yeah, I can tell you anything to keep you at bay. Meanwhile, if I can distract you from, you know, what it, is really going on, then I'm able to do half of the things I said I wasn't going to do and hope you don't catch it. And then if you don't catch the first part, then I'll go ahead and try to get the second part. And it's sad because, you know, it's almost like that old adage, you know, growing up, leave half of what you see and none of what you hear. So you end up having to deal with silliness ignorance, drama and all
2: kinds of stuff and
0: and unfortunately He's that person right now is in charge of
2: the country, you know? He's in charge of the country. And I'm wondering how many people are actually if he gonna be deporting they're in the hospitality industry because you know he is talking about the hospitality industry and how he could not deal with that. And you know there's a whole lot of them immigrants that are in that industry. So I wonder how many of these folks are he going to be deporting that are in that industry since he's already talking about wiping out the entire DACA, which you know President Obama created to kind of help some of these young folks that were from other countries and help them have a correct path into being here in our country, but now he is sitting there going to revoke all of that.
0: Well, here's the thing. If he starts with his wife, then you'll know he's
2: dead serious.
0: You know what I mean? But, hmm,
2: I don't know. It's, just getting, it's just getting crazy because they're saying that Trump's decision could wipe out uh, deportation reprieve for young, undocumented immigrants. Um, and they're they're already being like slammed. They say that they are being slammed because they're trying to get these permits renewed before an October fifth deadline. So some of their advocacy folks have said that this whole thing could cost millions of dollars in fees and stretch their resources to the limit. And I mean, and some of these places are that are being hit are in places that have also been hit by the hurricanes, like, you know, Houston, Miami, places like that that have got a very deep um, community of uh, folks in the immigrant community. So they are just going to have to deal with all of this in addition to everything else. So it's just, you know, they've got to deal with a natural disaster and then they've got to deal with a Trump disaster. They said that nearly 700,000 people have that protection. Now the protection of the uh, deferred action for childhood arrivals or DACA as it's called. So you're talking about nearly 700,000 people are facing the possibility that they're going to have to go back to uh, other countries, and some of these people have were actually born here. So you know, they born here, lived here, a sizable portion of their life, and now they're going to have to deal with this. They're saying, matter of fact, one of the folks uh, who's the executive director of the National Partnership for New Americans. A coalition of organizations providing legal services to immigrants says that right now they are dealing with 5,133 renewal applications every day, including today. That's 214. Oh, wow. They say that's 214 per hour if they work all night long.
0: Wow. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. And, that's a whole and, lot. That's, that's an extreme amount, you know. So, hey. I don't know, but who we got tonight, bro?
2: We got William Burton. William Burton is a wonderful gentleman that I've known for a while. He's been involved on all kinds of stuff. He is a life coach. He is also a blues gentleman that has played blues music for a long time. I mean, he's played both here in North Carolina, but he also played in San Francisco He was down there in the Haight-Ashbury district You know, that's one of the famous districts and everything Because William is right. just like a very interesting individual And he's just got a fascinating life story That I think a lot of folks will be interested in knowing What he's got to say and what he's all about
0: Okay, and it seems like he's right on time You just heard the doorbell Thanks for calling the Force of the people Who we got on the line?
1: All right, this is Brother William D. Burton Mr. Hey,
2: Burton, Burton evening. good evening, good evening uh, can, can you guys hear me okay? Part? We hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? This is Mark Lee on the on the phone with you. Mark, Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I was just telling Brother Dean about your rich history and things of that nature, because you know you have just been in the midst of doing all kinds of fascinating things, and some of our listeners would like to know more and more about your history as well as what you have got going on now. So we're just gonna take it back, and then we'll bring it up to the current stuff. But uh, I know for a fact that when I first met you, you were very much involved in the Blues community, and you were telling me about some of your rich history when you were living in the San Francisco area and how some of the famous people that you met and things of that nature. So if you could tell us a little bit about your youthful days, and then we'll get back to some of the things that you're doing now as a last coach. But I just wanted to give people a little bit of a – Broad history of you and what you're about. So if you can tell us a little bit about your early days of music and some of the, how, what that was like being in the midst of that very historical area.
1: Well, well, uh, Mark, I have a very a unique uh, kind of um, experience with music. I bought a guitar when I was thirty, you know, and everybody told me that. I was too old to learn how to play, (laughs) and that, my friend, was a challenge. You know, don't throw down the gauntlet to me because uh, I will rise to the occasion, right? One year later, an acquaintance of mine said, would you like to play at a private party for Cat Stevens? Um, As you well know, his name now is Yusuf Islam, and um, he Uh, wrote wrote stuff like Morning Has Broken and stuff like that. Uh, he took uh, Sam Cooke's uh, Saturday Night and I Ain't Got Nobody made a rehit out of that, right? And uh, the rest is geography. And Cat Cat was playing to twenty five thousand people at every concert, you know. So uh, he heard my music, man. And uh, well, well, uh, well, my friend said yeah, we can get you to play at his private party. I said, Chump, you don't know Cat Stevens. <laughs> and he says you are one hundred percent right but his best friend is my best friend and we are doing a surprise party for him at the London Bar and Grill and I can get you in as his entertainment and I went man that's crazy so when I started playing it in this little um it's the London Bar and Grill they have an executive uh uh um suite for just catering to you know people like cat stevens right so I'm, I'm standing 10 feet away from this cat, and I'm playing this acoustic guitar, man, and I'm so nervous, it just falls all apart. <laughs>
3: I just <laughs> lost it, you
1: know. And this is, let me say, as a motivational trainer, I got to say that this is why adults, right, don't try new things, because adults don't want to be embarrassed, right? And, right? and I keep telling people, I got. To, I keep telling people it's got to suck before it can blow, you know. <laughs> if, if they don't listen, mm-hmm. you know. So, so I said, Mr. Stevens, can I start over? Well, what had happened was, I wrote a song about a friend of mine who was a priest, and he said he didn't want to be a priest anymore because God wanted him to open up a group home called Harry's Mother, <laughs> right, in Portland, Oregon, and he said collect these teenagers who are runaways and make them call home and tell my mama, hey, mom and dad, I'm safe. I'm at Harry's Mother's, right? And so, I mean, created a thriving uh, a little uh, uh, organization for, the, for the, the, you know, to help heal the community, you know. And so my song, my, one of my lyrics in the song goes, My friend Reese was a priest until he kicked the habit. He found God out in the street, not only in the abbey. And some folks thought him crazy, and others thought him quite odd. He said, a man don't need religion just as long as he's got God, right? And so Cat Stevens heard that hook come around, right? And he he's like, wow, man, you've got something to say. Literally gave me his manager's telephone number on the 13th floor of the Warner Brothers building in Los Angeles. I literally took my family to Disneyland and to meet Barry and Jackie Cross, uh, Cat Stevens' managers. And they did hear what they wanted to hear. And then I got a chance to, you know, um, I was playing at a Grateful Dead concert in San Francisco at the Oakland Coliseum in the parking lot, playing for tips. Somebody came by, saw that I'd made $200 in tips, went back into the New Year's Eve concert at the Oakland Coliseum and told Bill Graham, who was the founding manager of the Grateful Dead there's a guy in the parking lot that made about $200 in tips, and it ain't even 10 o'clock yet, right? <laughs> and so so Bill Graham said something to the equivalent that, uh,
3: man, that means
1: yeah, that drug dealers and drug addicts are giving him their money. <laughs> and then, so he said, find out where that guy is. And then, a few weeks later, I got a call, and they said, you're opening at the Fillmore West for Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills, National Young, right? And, uh, man, that that flipped me out, and that was that was the beginning at the Fillmore West in San Francisco. I uh, had four bodyguards. Bill Graham paid me, get this, $5 a minute for the 45 minutes I was on stage. That 17 of my friends in free uh, gave me my own dressing room with four bodyguards, right, and I had an unlimited uh, bar tab until the sun came up for 17 people and myself, right. This is how I, <laughs> this is how Bill treated you, you know. And so I called a friend of mine and I I said, Bill Graham doesn't like my music anymore. He's putting me in the cocktail lounge at the Fillmore, and not on the stage. And my friend was quiet on the other end, right? And then, after a moment, he says, "Bill Graham is hiring you. Shut up and play." <laughs> so that was my advice, <laughs> and I followed it, you know. So he helped me a lot. Then I played at the Palace of Fine Arts, and a young man walked up and he said. Uh, I play in a little garage band, but when the young man heard me play at my break, he gave me all the money in four pockets, right? Because I saw him go in one pocket, and he handed me this money, now, you know, because um, he asked me, at break time, do you do anything by Eric Clapton? And I said, Sonny, I'm a world-class songwriter. When Eric does one of my songs, I'll do one of his. <laughs> and he said, man, I play in a little garage band. I said, what's the name of your band? He said, Guns and Roses. <laughs> Somebody found out it was Axel Rose, the lead seeker for Guns N' Roses, right? And so my, so my wife and some more people said, you don't know how he looks close up. He might have been perpetrating a fraud. And my answer was, well, I was born in L.A. I know what four bodyguards look like, right? So um, <laughs> in San Francisco, people just
2: uh, supported each other. Wow. <laughs> wow. So let me, uh, let
1: me tell you about let me tell you my claim for fame, though. This, this is history. I call this black right. history being made now. Starbucks, right. corporate Starbucks, hired me for 100 engagements, paid me from Seattle to play in Starbucks in North Carolina and sent me my check from Seattle for 100 engagements. And, and, and they owned a record label when they did that. They owned Hear Music. So I might be the only artist in the world hired by a corporation that owned a record label who hired me a hundred times to play and didn't sign me on the
2: label. <laughs> but uh, I'm moving on. Cool. So tell me, what did that, What made you decide at age 30 that you wanted to play a guitar? I mean, most people decide that when they're teenagers or in their 20s. Exactly. But what made you decide exactly. at age 30 that you what, wanted to be a musician?
1: Well, all of this poetry... I, well, let me start with this. My former sister-in-law taught me silver mind control. And it's a meditative process where you move down from the beta brainwave frequency down into the alpha brainwave frequency. And then you learn how to hover your consciousness right at the border of your theta brainwave frequency and your alpha brainwave frequency. I know I'm getting a little deep here. But uh, right there is where your subconscious mind lives and where your creativity lives. And man, I started writing stuff Like when jogging replaces your sex life and you're grogging the space of your ex-wife and you're dodging embraces of your next wife who's saving your space for the next life, and then your love affair becomes the lesson that you should have learned the last time around. Afraid you stare at Fred's stare lessons, because all the good dancers are leaving town, because he put the fake on, she put the break on, make no mistakes on, who's got the make on? She's like a mother of Atlantis. Hey, now, boy, is she boss? Like some lady praying mantis, don't bow. She'll take your head off, because my topic's apathy. Voice mellow like a cello. He said hi, and she said hello. You know that strangers from the ghetto make for strange bedfellows. That stuff was just flowing out of me.
2: Wow. So that was just flowing out of you, and you just figured you had to put some of that on music and put the lyrics to the the, the sound of the music and just have this whole thing that was going on for a while. Now, what got you from California to North Carolina? Man, uh, the universe played a trick on me
1: hid my soulmate down in a little, little town called Eaton to North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, I, she was, this was 20 years ago. I've been here 20 years now. Uh, 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 let me say this. When I saw her walk into the Women's Empowerment Conference 20 years ago, my friend hit me in the ribs and said, look at her. And I looked at him and I said, my friend, here comes trouble. That's from my first words when I saw her <laughs> she, she, she was walking through the room Like she owned all the oxygen And was just letting us breathe <laughs> Right Wow I, You know And so, so I asked her for Let me tell you This woman it took my heart so quickly That um, I, I took her to a little uh, Brian McKnight was singing Right And so I wanted to hang with Brian But I wanted to hang with her <laughs> You know so I went to the I went to this hotel next door uh, um, to the uh, conference with the lady. And Brian walked into the club, and he saw us, and he came over and he said, "I uh, am alone, and I want to hang out with you guys, <laughs> right?" So Brian, our first date, Brian hung out with us till about two o'clock in the morning.
2: Wow! Wow. <laughs> I was just hanging out there with Brian McNight. Now you can't be dead on the let's first date.
1: On the first date, man, it was magic. It was
2: was pure magic, you know. Wow. Yeah. So tell folks now, you did the music, and you did the music for how many years have you been performing music, would you say, all together? Well,
1: I feel like I'm 40, but my chronological age is 73. (laughs) I was born January 4th, 1944. But I learned some secrets on the way. Somebody said... You're out on the road with Muddy Waters. You're out on the road with John Lee Hooker, and you don't look like them. <laughs> I said, that's because I figured out you cannot drink every drink that people buy you. <laughs> so that's, my, that's one of my secrets for success. And then I'm really into nutrition. I'm really into yoga. I'm really into meditation. So basically I believe that all of that stuff, uh, uh, EFT, emotional frequency uh, techniques, all of that stuff, Kind of revises your genetic coding, and and I mean I mean it can give you a new lease on life. And I I, I swear I
2: probably didn't feel this good at forty. Wow. So what would you say for those folks that are asking, uh, maybe even those folks that are listening to us now? What do you um, put as your keys to longevity? Because like I said, I've known you now for a while, and you as you just said, you have the energy of some twenty year olds that I know, and definitely do not have the uh, stereotypical energy of the stereotypical 70-year-old. So what do you see as some of the keys to longevity and to having this kind of, like, very positive outlook on life?
1: Well, the first thing I, I do is I'm a spiritual person, and I tell people I got an uh, Old Testament uh, uh, um, Formula, right, for anti-aging, because you know some of those dudes in the Old Testament, man, if you know, lived a long time, right, and 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 today people think they're supposed to live, they think it's big time to be a hundred, you know, but but uh, as, as as history of the Bible has, that people live many many years, so I decided that it was necessary for me to change my concept. Uh, and first, I started working on the nutritional part of it, recolonizing the friendly bacteria. I got a whole system that uh, uh, people people can contact me at williamdburton.com dot com or William Burton the number seven at Gmail dot com. I have a whole system that removes one million free radicals from your body every second, and and the system that I put with that boost your immune system by 200 to 400%. And I have four Chinese doctors who have bought nutritional anti-aging products from me for over two years. One doctor bought the products from me. He wiped out his feet. This guy was 75 years old, Chinese gentleman. Uh, He's a psychiatrist with an MBA. It, uh, my nutritional program wiped out his fear of driving at night and nothing flat. He actually called me when he got home. And he took the nutrition and, and bought a bunch of nutrition and he started taking some on the way home with some water. By the time he got home, he was delirious with happiness that the bright lights of the cars weren't frightening him and stuff like that. And so then he took all of the things that I recommended for him to a doctor at Duke, his Chinese doctor who works at Duke, and that doctor started feeding the nutritional products to his entire family, and I realized that I was really on to something. Now, 30 years plus ago, I got fired from a major trauma center in Oakland, California, because I helped an AIDS patient gain four pounds. And... I didn't get fired for helping her gain four pounds. I got fired because she went up to the AIDS unit and cussed out every doctor she could find and said that they should be taking lessons from me. And, um, they came, I was an outpatient care facilitator for HIV and epidemiology at Highland Hospital. I'm going to call their name. And, um, and, and and they I, two security guards escorted me to the front door, you know. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought, wow, man, I'm trying to save lives, and these guys don't even care. But UC Medical Center, I they never talked to me about it, but they hired me. And UC Medical Center is located in San Francisco. They gave me keys to the hospital and an office. They gave me 50 clients, and they never asked me why I got fired from the other hospital. And you know that's uncommon, right? So I figured they already knew. They said, this brother is doing something good. We're going to let him do his thing, and we're not going to ask so he can get into trouble. He'll be by himself, right? <laughs> we'll say we didn't know. And so I worked there until I moved here. And when I told them I was moving to North Carolina to get married, they asked me to move my wife to San Francisco, and they would double my income if I did that. And my wife's mother, you know, is up around then she was 70, that's 20 years ago. And now, she, girlfriend is rocking 90 like a rock star, right? And so, my wife wants to be close to her. So, I, I gave up the California life, man. And, uh, let me tell you, my, my bottom lip was poked out. But, you know, I had to honor, you know, my wife's mother because I'd lost my mother to Alzheimer's before I found all of these solutions. So, now I want to I wanna keep everybody else alive. I can't as long as I can. Uh, But the one thing that really enhanced my uh, intense desire to learn how how to help people heal themselves was Russia. Uh, The Russian – Russia created anthrax. And the guy who was the top scientist in anthrax 30 or 40 years ago was paid by the United States to defect to America. And this guy did a press conference. They gave him a position – as a vice president at the Institute in Columbus, Ohio. And this guy did a press conference, and somebody asked a question, what can America do to protect themselves from germ warfare? And the first thing he said was, you guys aren't serious, because you had two people looking for my antidote, right, for anthrax. And I had 98 scientists trying to build a stronger anthrax, so I'm glad y'all paid me to defect because y'all were never going to win. And then he said the thing that has driven my life. He says, You cannot protect yourself from viruses. And disease by attacking the disease and you know this when I say this you're going to identify with it he says every time you attack a disease it mutates and gets stronger and then it starts to resist whatever penicillin or whatever you you created and then and then it creates another strand and then you build a stronger drug for that and then it'll it'll mutate he said the number one thing for you to do is to remove free radicals and that starves any disease or any attack, remove the free radicals, and the next thing that you can do is boost your immune system. And I realized that this Russian scientist had given me the key to longevity and protecting myself from all of these chemtrails and all of this uh, poison in the water in black communities and all of this this stuff that we're dealing with here, uh, all of the experimentation by pharma mafia, right? They have got a side effect. They got a drug for your side effect, for the side effect, and another drug for that, right? And these people are caught in the in the uh, Russian pres- uh, Russian roulette prescription matrix, right? And so this is this is my site. My site is to strengthen uh, our community first. You know, I see I told my wife I'm going BFF. She said best friends forever. I said no, baby, I'm going black folks first.
2: Mm. Now, how much do you feel you kind of alluded to it, but I just want to hear some of your views on this. Now, you um, mentioned working in the pharmaceutical industry. How much do you feel that the pharmaceutical industry is actually perpetrating the whole concept of letting folks get sick and not actually trying to find cures and things of that nature because it doesn't help their bottom dollar?
1: Well, I, yeah, the pharmaceuticals. Uh, I, the pharmaceuticals spent like like twenty million dollars one weekend. Glaxo-Welcome uh, and all those people. They spend $20 million on a weekend for a party to sell doctors some new drugs. You know, so they, they, you know, they, they're not taking care of the people like, it's, you know, it's not even their job. But let me just talk about the doctors. The doctors aren't diabolical, but the doctors are caught up in a system where by the time they graduate from med school, science is 10 or 15 years out in front of them. And they're so busy trying to build a practice, they don't have time to study the science. So me, I'm a blues guitar player, folk, blues, jazz. And so I got time, right, excuse me, to study the science. And I found a product. My main product has 1,800 PubMed peer reviews. It is in the physician's desk reference manual, and most doctors don't even know it's there. Right, and I'm the only African American distributor in Wake County. I had a a Hispanic one of my Hispanic distributors uh, 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 invited me to her house. She says, You got to come to my house in Nightdale. I said, Nanette, Nanette, it's rush hour traffic. I don't want to go. I don't want, I've been working. I don't, she says, You have to come to my house. I have people, I have people. I got the girlfriend's house, and twenty-five people who speak Spanish as the first language were waiting for me there. So it seems that I'm, I'm, I'm trying, intending to get this into my community. But other cultures, uh, you know, like, and let me say this uh, straight up: when four Chinese doctors start giving me that money, I feel like everybody ought to start
2: paying attention. Oh yeah. So why don't you tell folks a little bit about this product? Like I said, um, I mentioned I think on our. intro in the page but a lot of folks may not even know about the product that you're promoting so tell the folks a little bit about the product and how you got involved with the product directly and uh, what folks can, uh, how folks can learn more because you said it's in the uh, physician's uh, desk right. reference and things of that nature so I'd yeah. be interested in yeah. well, learning right. more about the history I'm, going
1: to, I'm going to tell other people's business now well no I won't call any names uh, I'll be fair I won't call any names but there's a major uh, uh, motivational speaker right Homie had prostate cancer. Homie went from 225 pounds down to 125 pounds. And my mentor, Poncho, and I were calling him on and said, man, you got to look at these products, man. And he was blowing us off because he'd already made $100 million speaking, right? And so everybody was sending him stuff, right? And so he was blowing us out because he was bombarded with so much stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, man, but uh, Poncho – First of all, Poncho is 66 years of age. Poncho, I love Poncho's life. Poncho makes about twelve to $15,000 a month selling this stuff, right? And so let me break right there and say I work with formerly incarcerated people, and if anybody on the phone uh, who's listening to this, anybody on the line who's listening to this uh, has a record and they're having difficulties of raising themselves above the poverty level, this is one of the things that I do. I, I, I am focused on helping our incarcerated brothers and sisters, formerly incarcerated brothers and sisters. And and, and let me say that one of the reasons that I wanted to do this was because when I was 21 years old, I invested $48,000 from equitable savings alone. And, loan, and I, had the, I went up to Canada and started watching the newspapers, looking for my picture on the front page. I was 21. I was, I was angry at America. So I said, I'm going to take mine right off the top, right? So I embezzled this money. I looked for my picture in the newspaper for almost a year. No blip, right, on me. You know, has anybody seen this man? And so I come back down, down to the Seattle area, and I start selling real estate. So, so, so I got into a lot of trouble when I was young. I um, went out to Hammond Road to do my motivational uh, workshop five or six years ago. The lady said, uh, sir, you've got to be careful. Uh, these guys are dangerous, and I I was able to say, ma'am, I have presented workshops at San Quentin, so I'm going to be all right. I I've, I've presented workshops at Terminal Island. You know, you don't want to be locked up at a place called Terminal Island. <laughs> you know, but uh, so I've so for 25 to 30 years I've done that motivational uh, personal empowerment thing, and so I, I'm I'm uh, I'm very dedicated to helping pull off, brothers, brothers pay their debt to society, and then they're asked to pay the debt forever. And so so when I get into these entrepreneurial things, I always look and see if I can contribute to the community. And I'm telling you, I found something. A lady called me on the phone, and she woke me up. She says, the company you're in right now only has one person in the top 200 moneymakers in the world, and the company that, I, that, 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 you, uh, that you're using some of the products but what you don't know is the inside uh, pay plan. This company, this other company, have this product that you love, uh, which is called Transfer Factor, by the way. And, um, and so I'm going to give you the, I'll give you the website later, but, or you can go, you can find me, anywhere you find me on LinkedIn, you can find some talk about Transfer Factor. But I want you to go to YouTube and look at what the doctors say about Transfer Factor. Don't just pick my name for it. Now, Mr. Magic Johnson, was the keynote speaker at our World Convention in 2016. And all I'm going to say is uh, I've got information that I can't divulge. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I've got, let's put it like this, I have theories <laughs> that I can't divulge because this is the first time Mr., Mr. Magic Johnson, I've ever seen him speak for a nutritional company. So I've got a feeling that they had a relationship long before uh, 2016.
2: Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, Dean, who is the sixth man, as he calls himself, is actually involved in the uh, prison system. He's worked on the administrative side of the prison industry for a while and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. how would you – what? message do you give to those folks that have been incarcerated? Because you've been motivational speaking, and like you said, some of your motivational speaking has been to those that have, for whatever reason, made a wrong turn in society or what society perceives to be a wrong turn. So what are some of the uh, motivational messages that you give to folks that have been, uh, gotten caught up in the system?
1: Okay, Jake, when I walk into, the first thing I do is I walk in and tell them who I am, and I tell them that I bucked the system and that, and the second thing I do is I tell them this, I said, I was looking at 90 years, my second charge. Uh, three years later, I got busted with six counts of counterfeiting with a 15-year max on each count. Uh, and my posse was making money. And so the printer who was printing for me, uh, he was what we call a square John, okay, he wasn't into crime. And, and, and me, I'm driving down the street in a brand-new Corvette with a shoebox full of marijuana on the floor and a 38 nickel plate Smith & Wesson laying in the seat next to me and $5,000 in my pocket. You know, so so this guy wasn't into that life, right? And so I talked him into printing because he was about to go bankrupt. And then when 22 people got busted and everybody testified that I was the leader, the Secret Service and FBI wanted me to tell who my printer was, and I had promised him that they could take wire pliers and rip my fingernails out once by one, and I would not tell on him. And so because I had talked him into this mess, and I was not going to take this guy away from his family because I knew that I was a bad influence, right? And so so I just I just bit the bullet, looked at, looked, stared down the barrel of 90 years and would not budge on not telling them who he was, right? The Secret Service got so upset with me and the FBI. They started coaching witnesses. The judge found out about it. And threw 85 years out the window So so I see people always making excuses For breaking their integrity There is no excuse for breaking your integrity As far as I'm concerned right? so, so I couldn't take this guy away from his family Because I was the one that talked him into this And I know just as soon as he saw my, my picture On the front page 22 people busted William D. Burton is the king, king ringleader I know he was rehabilitated Right there on the spot Right so when I go into prison, I say, y'all need to quit doing crime because y'all will get busted with a joint and roll over on somebody with a kilo so you don't have to do a weekend. Y'all ain't tough enough to do crime, right? So I give them a hard time. And then, I, and then I, I'll answer your question. I tell them, when you get out, you've got to learn how to contribute to your community in such a powerful way that they will embrace you again. And that's the secret and 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 you know and and I can teach people how to do that. I would teach people how to um, use EFT, emotional frequency uh, techniques, start to break down. See, we have a gatekeeper in our subconscious mind that stops us from moving to the next level. Say you're used to thirty thousand dollars a year. This gatekeeper in you. Makes that your comfort zone. So when you get ready to, you say, "I want sixty thousand dollars a year." It says, "Oh no," because that's an unknown, and you should be fearful of the unknown. That's a voice in your subconscious mind telling you the status quo is, is is will keep you safe. And you and you know that this is true because even abused women will stay in a relationship just because they know the pain there. They're afraid they might go. They're afraid of going somewhere where it might even be worse. So they'll stay in bad so that they don't get worse, you know. So this is the way the primitive human brain works. The primitive human brain thinks that fear is a protector, and it's not. And so I teach people, go ahead and feel the fear and then walk past it, and then learn, find something that you can passionately contribute to the community. And if you look at the health of the black community, I can't see anything uh, more important, well, first of all, our level of prosperity these people coming out are, are symptoms to a life of poverty, or, or crime, or, or both. You know, so I see a, a, a twofold kind of a, a mission here, and that is to bring wellness back, high-level wellness, into my community, and to bring a level of prosperity where people can have what they need. We can pull babies, mama, and baby up out of poverty. Right? The men can pay their child support And walk with dignity The children can see these men walking in dignity And then they can grow up Thinking that they're somebody You see, so we've we, we got some work to do But but we got the tools to do it
2: Yeah, we definitely got some work to do So one of the things I'm curious about Is I know that one of the things that you've been a big proponent of Is uh, good nutrition and things of that nature So when you go into a community Whether it's like uh, Southeast Raleigh or Parts of California, or things of that nature, we're a fast food society, and definitely in the african American community we're probably even more of a fast food society. So what kind of messages mm-hmm. do you give to get people away from making that move toward fast food because like I said we're definitely well, a fast food society
1: oh man man oh i got a I got a dissertation on that first of all um uh,
2: these 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 these
1: growth hormones that you put in you see these big chickens they they be selling? These chickens have muscles, man. You know, <laughs> you know, you used to have a little scrawny chicken. Now you got got a chicken that got biceps and stuff. You know, so when our children eat these growth hormones, the little girl's body starts banging, right? And then the little boy's testosterone goes, uh, uh, you know, berserk. And then we end up with, <clears throat> um, um, we end up with. Uh, 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 you know, teenage pregnancy and all of this stuff, and some of that is coming from the food that we're feeding these young people. And then, and then you, um, and, and then you, and then you, you say, okay, so what is this doing? This is accelerating the aging process of our young people, you know. And so then you look at the other end of the spectrum: these GMOs and this same food that's uh, 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 with the hormones and stuff in it oh, and don't let me get started on vaccines. Vaccines, do you know vaccines are laced with mercury because mercury is a preservative that keeps the drug uh, fresh? And so, so most of these vaccines have mercury in them. You're not supposed to let people, uh, you know, uh, intravenously put mercury into your body. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I felt like, well, well, to save people from this sort of thing, you know, I, I have to teach them, you know, how to boost their immune system and stuff. But then you look at the other end of the spectrum, and if it's making our young people grow up too fast, it's making our old people die too fast. And we're losing our wisdom. I tried my damnedest to get to B.B. King. Man, and he had so many people around him, and he had so many people, uh, you, know, you know, just not say anything bad about B.B. King's family. You did the best you could. You know, because the pharmaceutical uh, uh, organization, they're like the mafia, and they, they control the whole situation. And you can't, you can't get to people to heal them sometimes, you know, and it was just hurt my heart that I just, I just couldn't break through that barrier, and you know, because nobody knew who I was, nobody knew whether I could be trusted, you know, and stuff like that. So we've got to save our young people through nutrition, and we've got to save our seniors, the wisdom. We've got to protect the wisdom. We can't allow all this wisdom. Grandmama got the wisdom. You know, Grandpa got the wisdom. We can't allow that to be taken from this planet because these young people got no guidance. You know, they got no guidance. So eventually, they'll grow and be smart enough to listen to somebody. So we got to keep the people around that they can listen to. And 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 so this is this this is so this is this is a two-edged sword. It's dro- it's making our seniors die too soon, and then it's making and and have you noticed that you can get a hamburger for a dollar, right? But if you go over to Whole Foods and you ask for a hamburger and all of a sudden it costs 6 or $7, you know, because real food costs money. You know, and they'll sell you HMO junk all day long and they'll sell you the, uh, you know, the stuff pumped up on steroids all day long. But when you want the real stuff, then the price is going to go up. So we've got to start realizing that we can actually protect ourselves from the nursing home. You know, because I tell people all the time, man, I was talking to a guy the other day. I walked up on him, and he was moving so slowly that I didn't even recognize him. And and I said, hey, man, what happened to you? He looked like he got hit by three trucks and a train. And he said, oh, I had four strokes. I said, Homer, you need to come go with me, and let me tell you how to heal yourself. You know, and he said, no, I'm going to keep doing what my doctor said do. And I walked away shaking my head and thinking, your doctor got you four strokes in a row. You just hang right in there. You know, it was just so sad. We're so brainwashed, you know. We can't give our power to somebody else. You're in charge of your health. You know, do the research. If you don't know how to do the research, get somebody to do it for you. You know, we've we've got to start taking care of ourselves and like I said, all this poison water in our all this poison water in our in our communities it's not accidental. I'm sorry. It's not accidental.
2: So that, is, that raises another interesting question. I know a lot of women that are get to a certain age, they start getting concerned about the way that their body changes and there are certain drugs that they are then encouraged to take or certain medical procedures that they are then encouraged to have done on their bodies. And I'm just wondering what your views are in terms of are there any kind of natural cures for that whole menopause kind of thing that women go through and things of that nature? Because I know that it's, <laughs> I've done those. It is so...
1: Have we ever had this conversation before? Because this is so right. That question is so right on. I was working with a sister who was about 60 out of Oakland, right? She, she might have been 55 or 56, somewhere in there, right? And I told her, I'm an anti-aging expert. I can, If I don't reverse the aging process for you, I will slow it down so slowly that you, you, won't, you won't know you're aging, right? Girlfriend called me in six months. For first two months she oh I'm feeling great third month, oh I'm feeling one or fourth month, oh this is this is something. Fifth month, oh I'm great, sixth month, call me, fussing me out. I said, What happened, baby girl? She said, My cycle has returned <laughs> You know, and I was blown away. I said, "When I trick your body into thinking it's younger, it's gonna start acting younger." You know, and she was, she was. But well, here's what her concern was: I'm in a committed relationship with my husband. Now I got to practice safe sex because I don't want to get pregnant. And for some reason, that has escaped me. I thought that after you got a certain age, I I know a lot about medicine. I I guess I do not didn't, didn't know enough about women. But uh, I found out that after at any age, you know, I know in the Bible it said people are having babies at 80 years old and, you know, stuff. But but uh, this lady said that I, my cycle has returned, and I did not want it to return. I said, I'm sorry, but it comes with the package.
2: It comes with the package. So there are ways that you can reverse these trends that society and the world try to tell you are irreversible oh. according to what you're telling
1: Well, if you look at, for instance, the sale of transfer factor in other countries, you know, I mean, this product is in 50 countries. It's already in the physician's desk reference manual, right? But guess what? The only people who can sell the product are people who become distributors, right? And anybody can become a distributor for under $250, and you get your own website and everything. See, here's a product that a doctor has in his physician's desk reference manual that he's not telling people about because it will eliminate half of those pres- uh, This is my opinion now. It will eliminate half of the prescriptions that
2: he's going to be writing. Well, they definitely don't want that to happen because then they would be – short on, uh, particularly the pharmaceutical companies, will be short in terms of their uh, profit margin and things of that nature. So i oh, was just curious, another thing that I think we have talked about before, but I was just wondering what your take on is in terms of what we can do with nature and things of that nature in terms of medicine, because I know that uh, I don't know if this particular product is, but I know that we're always complaining that we don't have enough success with retaining our black farmers and our black farmland, and then there's the whole push toward trying to go solar and things of that nature. So I just wondering what mm-hmm. your take was on nature, farming and the climate and climate change, which well, of course we have a president
3: well, that
1: doesn't well, believe in that. Well climate from my perspective, climate change is real and we are mucking it up. Um, and I did a little experiment with some kids. Um, I said, okay, we're gonna imagine that we don't we didn't even have any live plants in the room. I said, we're going to imagine that we've got a plant over here in this side of the room, and we've got to have a plant over there on that side of the room. And I said, we're going to tell this plant we love it. I didn't even have a plant in the room. I just made this scenario up, right? We're going to tell this plant we love it. We're going to tell that plant we hate it. And and I asked the kids, what's going to happen? And they all said, the plant that you tell hate it is not going to grow as well as the plant that you tell you love it, right? Right. I said, now, is that true? And the kid held up his room, held up his hand. He says, in the fifth grade, we did. Now, these kids are uh, they're in an institution, right? And he said, in the fifth grade, we did the experiment in class. And I remember the, 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 the plant that we talked to and said that we love it, right, grew. And the plant that we ignored or told that we didn't love it, it didn't grow. So I said, okay, what if you walk into the room and tell the plant that you love it in Japanese? Uh, what happens then? And, and, and they said, oh, no, the plant doesn't understand Japanese. And I said, and so half the room said the plant doesn't understand Japanese. The other half of the room said uh, about 20 kids together. So 10 said it, it understood Japanese. And the other 10 said the plant wouldn't respond if a Japanese lady walked in. And I said, I finally explained to them, no, here's what happens. The plant doesn't respond to your words because it doesn't speak any language. The plant Speaks energy Right The energy that you project with the plant Turns that into vitality You know So I say So what if A billion people Started taking the energy That they focused on this potted plant And focused it up on the ocean With love Or the rainforest If billions of people started saying I love you right, What would happen those kids, I mean, I blew their minds. They were like, well, we can heal global warming. We can do this, you know. So I personally believe that there's a whole lot of truth and possibility there, but I just got them to start thinking about not allowing other people to take their power away from them and start to realize that, that they are they are force of nature to be reckoned with and start to realize that they can, they can project love in And and caring upon Mother Nature And and start to help turn this thing around You know, it's not just Who's got the money You know, sometimes It's who's got the most powerful intent You know, who has the most powerful desire To heal the planet You see, because There are people who had more money Than Harriet Tubman But she freed more people You know, there are people who had more money Than than, than, uh, um, Mr. Nelson Mandela but I, I tell these people uh, who are incarcerated, I said, you have no excuse. You've got to get out, and you got to, you know, express your God self. I said, because this guy did 26 years in prison for stuff, you know, that was that was trumped up on him. And then he came out and became president. So that proves to me that no matter where you come from, you can go, you know, uh, in the direction that you want to go. And so I use a lot of uh, those kinds of. Uh, 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 Ideas to share my spiritual Message which is we are Spirit at our center And we have way more power Than we uh, Will even uh, try to deal with We are very powerful Human beings and the power of love Can turn this thing around And I firmly believe that Because man You know uh, the power of pure intent Has saved me from destruction More than once
2: Wow now, we just recently lost somebody that has a very similar message to you in terms of, sort of um, letting folks know about the things that were going on in the pharmaceutical industry and the health industry and the things of that nature. And I'm thinking about Brother Dick Gregory. And I was just wondering, in your world travel, if you ever had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Dick Gregory and how that got went? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny that you can ask me that. It's,
1: it's funny to do. It. Let, me, let me confess. First of all, in my younger days, I was a hippie. i we go going to proceed this, all right? In my younger days, I was a hippie. There is a university in Portland, Oregon, called Reed College. And I don't think they'll even let you on campus unless you IQ is 140, 150, right? And so uh, uh, I'm a pretty smart guy. And so I had friends that went to that school. The first time that uh, – uh, Dick Gregory spoke, you know, uh, on the West Coast and not in California, it was at Reed College in, in uh, Portland, Oregon. And then I went in to hear homie speak, and he just blew my mind, man. I, I was like, I would, my brain and my heart and my, my, all of my chakras were like buzzing for like three or four days, man. This guy just fired me up. He was He was just so lucid and so funny with his tragic stories. He'd have you laughing and crying at the same time, you know, because he told the truth every step of the way. But but he was so comical at at delivering the truth to you. You know, it was like a truth serum. You know, I mean, he he was he was he was a genius.
2: Man was a genius. He was definitely a genius. And I was wondering. um... You know that sometimes one of the things that I find really interesting, and it's just a theory of mine, is that sometimes they'll actually give us the truth, but they'll give it to us in the form of stories, in terms of like mm-hmm. what Hollywood and the movie industry does, because I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever had this conversation before, but I'm a big fan of, or was a big fan of the Exiles, definitely still I'm a big fan of Star Trek, so mm-hmm. a lot of these things that they encourage us not to be involved in, like good mm-hmm. health and these kind of vitamins and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is a primary part of the plot lines of these kind of TV shows and movies that are out there. So I think sometimes we have to find the truth even in unconventional places because sometimes some of the wisdom that say Spock was given us or Warp was given us is actual real wisdom that the writers somehow found out about and stuck it into a storyline of supposed fiction. But some of that fiction is actually probably based on reality and facts.
1: Sure, sure, and there are two movies that come to mind. Well, there are three, actually. Uh, these three movies are, um, uh, one is, is kind of a cult movie called What the Bleep Do We Know? I highly recommend that movie because it really talks about how uh, the human mechanism uh, works and how we create uh, um, our, our concept of reality. That's What the Bleep Do We Know? And then the other movie is The Matrix. I, I always ask people in my workshops, did you see The Matrix? And then I tell them, I'm going to explain to you what The Matrix is. And I, I explain to them that The Matrix is a, a, a situation where you are allowing your environment to tell you who you are, right? Nelson Mandela didn't allow his environment to tell him who he was. I always talk about Helen Keller. I tell When I'm in prison talking to uh, inmates there, I said, Helen Keller was born in the hole. <laughs> she, she was born blind, deaf, and mute. And I said, can you imagine how long it took somebody pouring water on her hand and then putting a little sign in her hand to let her know that that was water? And when you get thirsty, you have to make this sign in somebody's hand for them to know that they're thirsty. And then this woman went from that deficit to Doing workshops and writing books and things, so I say the human spirit, you know, is 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 amazing. It's just amazing, and so 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 we can come from wherever we are and go to where we want to be and contribute to the planet. What whatever we've been given, we can we can turn that into uh, uh, something phenomenal. So, I I um I I believe that. Uh, the other movie I was thinking about was Limitless. Also, I believe that if we can learn how to forgive ourselves and to forgive others, we can learn how to free our minds. I, I, in my workshops, I always say, "Free your mind, and your assets will follow." Right? Um, you know, but but of course, other people were you know <laughs> were shortening that asset, right? And and and. Um, as a matter of fact, it might have been Dick Gregory the <laughs> the first way to say that. But uh but but so it's 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 necessary for us to gain a level of stillness. And I've I've found some of that work in Eckhart Tolle's stuff, uh, the power of now and uh um and and stuff like that. uh, uh so so he talks about finding the mind's own stillness and when I can get people to slow down, calm down, learn how to breathe, and start to focus on the, on the center of the power within them and start to get used to – you know, people tell you to count to 10 or 12 before you do something rash, right? The reason they tell you – I tell people to count to 10 backwards because you've got to think about that. The reason they tell you that is because if you will do that slowly while you're breathing, your brainwave frequency will go from beta to alpha. In other words, you will make a more lucid decision by simply counting to 10 backwards. You know, so I teach people that the closer you get down to uh, the, uh, the alpha-theta um, border, the closer you get to being able to reprogram your subconscious mind so that you don't uh, have those limiting beliefs stop you from going after dreams that you've never accomplished before, but you see them in your mind. I believe the subconscious mind is like a 3d printer for, uh, your, your future success, your future debts. And let me tell you something else. I found that you not only have to forgive people, it is necessary. And this is hard. This ain't easy. Um, um, but, but it's necessary. Um, you have to forgive situations and circumstances, just like people. Because some situations and circumstances block us from getting our good. Because we stand there and judge the situation. Uh, we've got to, we've got to evolve even beyond that. Because uh, uh, I believe that humans are unlimited, you know. And the Master Teacher. Or uh, 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 One of the master teachers uh, uh, Yeshua uh, The Christ said You know the works that I do Show you doing greater works These these are the kind of leaders That you have to have All over the community You can't have leaders Talking about Hey I'm the greatest Pay me uh, You know I'll save your soul You got to have people Who are telling people Hey I am Really really awesome And you Can be more awesome With my help And with my support You know so we We've got to Learn how to build people. And that's, that's what I've concentrated on 30 years, finding out ways to help uh, teach people how to rebuild their own self-concept so that um, uh, they can become a uh, uh, realized person. And I tell these young people, I said when Muhammad Ali walked out on the stage, he didn't say, am I the greatest? You know, he said, I am the greatest. He told the Matrix who he was, Right. And, and he let them know who he was. And I said, even in the ancient scriptures, when they uh, encountered the concept of God, uh, God didn't say, they said, who, are, who, 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 who am I talking to? God didn't say, am I? God said, I am. Right? So, so whenever we get to a point where we start telling the uh, uh, environment who we are, then we can become in charge of our lives.
2: So just out of curiosity, because this has come up in a conversation I had with them, another friend, uh, Sorry. On this. is how do you deal with folks that want to use, because you have alluded to it a couple times, being a spiritual person, how do you deal with folks that want to use spirituality and particularly religion as a dividing point? That they want to claim that, you know, it's their way or the highway? Mm-hmm. Well, well, the thing is,
1: guess, is... um. You know, I I talk about I talk about Jesus a lot, and I observe his his life a lot, and I I point out to people that you know Jesus didn't hang out in churches and and he didn't you know uh, uh, when he got ready to pray and meditate he always would he very rarely did he ever pray in public you know only time he prayed in public was when he was giving instructions on how to pray you know that's the only time he ever prayed in public uh, most of the time he went to a quiet place. To find his center, you know, he went to the garden, to the desert, to the mountain, right, and and down by the ocean, you know, and so, um, congregations and things like that are useful in a community kind of way, but when you're talking about tapping your your full level of spirituality, that is a lonely journey. That's a that's a lonely journey. You you've got to. Um, you actually, sometimes you have to back away from your friends even for a minute, uh, you know, and you, and you have to turn the TV off. I call, I, I'd love to do a poem for you guys about the subliminal criminal that I call the television. When we were, when my first wife and I were raising our kids, we had the TV in the garage, <laughs> you know, and we would, we would do a ceremony every time we brought the TV in to watch a show. It was like they were going to the movies or something, you know. And then, and then after the show was over, we take the TV and put it in a box and take it back out to the garage, right? Because, and now I got four brilliant kids; they're adults and they're brilliant, you know. Because we let them mature without this subliminal criminal raising them. We can't let television raise our young people, and, and you know, we just we just have to um, find ways to. You know, develop them in, in, in humane and loving ways.
2: Yeah, definitely. Why don't you go ahead and drop that poem for us? And, Dean, I've got to find a quick errand while he drops the poem, but I will be right back in about two minutes. But all right, the point well, uh, uh, this, this poem is a little
1: longer than two minutes, but that's all right. It goes, right. Uh, Mock Wars. Are you ready? Okay, Mock go Wars. Fought by little boys swinging chains of thought in the empty boxcars of my train of thought. My third eye was on the blink, but I think I saw it wink. Expressions were set like braces. We did a dash for the cash. There was a scream on some racist faces for some brother left a lying there, mashed on the track, and someone said, the ego is back. As the former Terror from a farmer, defects to the city, driven by his karma and the horror of his aura, blinded by the flashes from the past, but evolution is the only revolution that lasts. Evolution is the only revolution that lasts. And then my four-year-old, she turns to me in a child's rich simplicity. She says, Dad, you sure are heavy. But what she means is that I'm strong and that I'll resist the wrong and it won't be long. Before I'm able to deal with my petty lower self, that deformed elf from off the astral shelf hidden in the closet of one of our seven houses. You see, we are all novelties, obviously. But why must we be for sale? And where can you go to be sure that you know? Except deep inside There's no place else to hide from the mile high Wide tide of tired lives It's all of our decisions flow from our televisions. It's all of our decisions Flow from our televisions. That subliminal criminal It silently schemes, it's sermon, is terminal It targets your dreams, got you floating in limbo You've chosen to leave But you don't let them know if you know what I mean The subliminal criminal will kill off your kids And fill them with chemicals So cells pyramid, is so subliminal Your television is a criminal as the contents of our supermarkets kill the mice in the labs of Nader's Raiders, and we sit in judgment on one child's behavior, not knowing that what you eat is what you are by far. You see, we are all novelties, obviously, but why must we be for sale? And that can be found on YouTube, William D. Burton lies at the Black Cat Café and uh,
2: you'll see wow. uh, there's a video of me doing that piece of poetry live. Wow, that was neat. I nice. was definitely, I, I got most of that back, and I definitely can understand what you're saying about TV. I was just wondering, as we're talking about different things and we talk about all kinds of things on this show and everything, what your view is of our current education system?
1: Uh, we have let our education of our children be placed in somebody else's hands. And let me tell you, and some of the teachers really mean well. But the people controlling um, the, the system don't mean our children that well. You know, so, the, the, so the teachers are not the culprit. It's the people pulling the purse strings and the people choosing the, uh, uh, the academics. And, and, and we're just not – it's like we've forgotten how to prepare people for life. You know, and 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 so I run into so many young people who are, they're they're prepared to be worker bees, right? But they're not prepared to make Black history, and I sometimes think that that's intentional, you know, um, because um, uh, we we invented everything. This is my personal concept, is that Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, Durham. um, Oh, by the way, I am the only living or dead national director, former national director of the Black Wall Street Journal. Um, We produced a paper. My my ancestors came from um, from from. Tulsa in Oklahoma, and you guys know that that Trail of Tears was forty percent uh, freed slaves, right? Uh, 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 up until they drove up into uh, uh, Oklahoma, and then and then the indigenous American Indians and the black folks started trading together and created wealth. And this wealth, the center of that town, Tulsa, was Greenwood at Pine, right? Uh, and the, the the theory goes that. The GAP band, G-A-P band, was named after that intersection. And you dropped the bomb on me, baby, was supposed to basically be about uh, them dropping the bomb on Black Wall Street in Tulsa when all of the, who had 10 millionaire families. Three of them had airplanes in 1927, I think it was, and all of them had cars. And, and And they were they were thriving up they discovered oil and were selling it to third world countries, and then the United States decided, "Oh, we made a mistake. they're making so much money. we've got to make them a mistake so we can tax them." So then they came in and killed a bunch of of the wealthy uh African Americans and and took took the place over uh themselves. The national Guard. the way I hear well go on go on YouTube, you'll see you you think they got film about this. Uh, the National Guard, and uh, uh, the Ku Klux Klan. So so we have always invented stuff. And 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 if you'll notice, how many songwriters do we have now? When In the 60s, everybody was a songwriter, right? And now you you see, uh, you go to these clubs and they want to hear cover tunes. Nobody wants to hear a songwriter. It's like they're trying to squelch down the creativity wherever they can find it. And so our kids need um, – they need someone who understands the, the kind of nurturing. One to six, they're only in two brainwave frequencies. Those brainwave frequencies are delta and theta brainwave frequencies from one to six. And so they don't learn anything from one to six. They download information. That's why a four- or five-year-old can be speaking three languages in the house, and nobody ever gave him any uh, lessons on on how to speak uh, uh, Spanish or English or Russian or whatever he's speaking. Because uh, in in those brainwave frequencies, you don't learn stuff, you download it. So when I learned how to play guitar, I had to, you know, the master teacher said, lest you become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's where this whole thing is going, is we've got to come back to a place to center ourselves in our purest part of our being. Right? And, 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 and become creative like little children and recreate ourselves and recreate our community because we are a very creative person. I was talking about a white supremacist uh, the other day, and I was saying how a person could sit in Duke Chapel and feel superior to the man who created Duke Chapel. That's, that's unfathomable to me. My, my wife sat in Duke Chapel uh, in the quiet, empty, it was empty, and tears came to her eyes because of the, the beauty of that this black man had designed. You know, so we just got to know who we are, and then, uh, like Muhammad Ali, we got to show who we are. You know, because we we are, we created the pyramids. Come on, yeah,
2: definitely, definitely created those pyramids and created a lot of other great things. And like you said, we've been forefront of a lot of the inventions. I mean, Chuck. So. We've even had a major part of the design of even Washington, D.C. was by an African-American. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. So definitely. Definitely. We have to understand so our what? history. And, I was saying we have to understand our history, and too often we don't understand our history. And speaking of history, I was just wondering, when you were in the uh, San Francisco-Oakland area, that was probably been around the same time. As the uh, Black Panthers have been around, so I was wondering if you ever had any dealings <laughs> with them.
1: Right. I used to try to tell those guys, "Why are you wearing those berets and <laughs> those jackets and standing out?" I said, "Why don't you wear a three-piece suit like everybody else, so they won't know who to shoot?" <laughs> but they they had their mission, and they and they accomplished their mission, you know. But I was saying, no, y'all need to blend in, because I was really in support of Huey P. And the guys, you know, I mean, I, I really, and guess what? Guess where I hung out a lot of the time in San Francisco, at the Black House, <laughs> you know, because we had our own, you know, a, a version of the White House right? in San Francisco. I, yeah,
2: I, I love those guys. I, I mean, I just, I just loved them,
1: you know, I loved them. Mm.
2: So, what do you think that we are now in terms of? The political spectrum and the political As you might call it the political matrix So how did we manage to get in your opinion How did we manage to get a Trump in the White House
1: Well you see He appealed to the basis aspects Of humanity And And and, and when you appeal to the basis aspects of humanity You're going to get a bigger crowd You know because uh, let's face it uh, uh, Evolved people You know You um, know Sometimes evolved people don't even want to get their hands dirty with politics, you know, but, but they have to, you know, and it's necessary. But, but here's, here's the beauty of this whole thing is there are people who were racist who you would have never known. Was racist unless
3: this man, <laughs> unless this man,
1: had won, right? They had still been in the closet, right? And so a whole lot of truth is being revealed. <laughs> a whole lot of people have, have come out and voiced their racist attitude and lost their jobs, right? So all of this is is showing you what we need to deal with. And that whole that whole scene is telling me that me. And you and people who look like us and people who care about us need to unite, right, and take care of business. That's that's just a message that says, hey, we dropped the ball, you know, on our foot, you know. But let me tell you this. The other, I feel two ways about this. I also feel that America came and got me, you know, from my home and brought me here. And then this person who says that they're superior to me wanted me to do the work for them. So if you were superior to me, why wouldn't you do the work so it would be more superior? Obviously, I contributed so much to this country that if you tried to repay me, you would give me everything you have. You know, so, so, so don't come to me and tell me that you're superior you had to travel all of that far just to come get me to build your country for you. You know, I'm not going to believe that you're superior. And then don't try to sell me your God because I have a concept of, I have my own concept of God. And my concept of God is I believe in the laws of karma, I believe that we sow and we reap. And and I believe that the people who taught the original slaves about God didn't know God. So, thusly, we got off on the wrong foot, kind of. You know, now we can correct this with by doing some study. But we were sold a God uh, that was created in the image of the slave master. Then and then and then I totally understand Mr. Farrakhan going in another direction because it was necessary and and I, and I love the brother and I have no uh, qualms or or as a matter of fact every time he shows up in town I'm there to hear him speak you know uh, I am not a, 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 a black Muslim but I I respect everybody who were, were able to break away from. Uh, from from the God of, of the slave master, and, and 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 then we have to a our own concept. We have to discover our own concept of the God self. You see, uh, we're made in the image and likeness of, of some creator. Every religion that speaks of that. But but we have to, yeah. You know, in other words, we can't let somebody. Else define us or tell us who he is. we as we have to define ourselves we have to define our own spirituality and uh, I don't folk in church Sunday you know and, and I can hang out with people who, who have certain beliefs that are not my beliefs but I believe that we have unlimited potential within us and I believe that the present religious system, spiritual system You see so religion is one Thing spirituality is another And when you see people who are Spiritual people I think like brother Malcolm X I think brother Malcolm X Went to Mecca And found spiritual people and It changed his life right So so there's a difference between Spirituality and religion and The other thing too if if Somebody from uh, A church is listening to me I would like for you to come out into the street with me and help teach these young drug dealers that I got something that they can sell to an undercover police officer and still have a nice day. Okay? So, so we need to start healing our community, and we need to stop collecting money that disappears. Billions of dollars are collected in the church that disappears. It's not going back into the community. You know so we we need we need to we need to rearrange that so that uh
2: we we are helping ourselves yeah, you have a very valid and interesting point there, and I was thinking about what you were saying about spirituality because one of the things that I think that we seem to miss with our whole spiritual nature and the thing about being spiritual beings is our connection with nature because a lot of times we sit down and we observe what's going on in nature and we observe things of that nature, but we don't really. Pay attention because a lot of times, in my opinion, something as simple as the house pets, your cat and your dog, and definitely mm-hmm. the more common, definitely the animals that are out in the wild, like the raccoons and the mm-hmm. deer and the birds and the bees, are probably trying to tell us stuff, but we would only listen. So I know one of the stories that I have told, I think I might have even told it on this show before, but I've definitely told it to friends of mine, is that one of the things I remember about nine eleven, which is today's date and everything. Is that from what wow. I remember? I don't remember seeing a lot of animals around on that particular day. It's almost like they got—you <laughs> talk about energy. It's almost like they got an energy message that the humans are about to do something stupid. So y'all might want to go duck and dodge because I remember being at a friend's art gallery on that particular day. Um, actually, it was later. I think it might have been the day after the attacks. But because that day I was actually found out about the attacks when I was going to Central's radio station. <laughs> but I want to say maybe it was definitely on. If if not that day, definitely the few days afterwards, I didn't see as many birds. I definitely didn't see as many squirrels. And I've actually risen risen this question to friends of mine, including some that live in the city. And when I brought this up, some of them have been like, you know, some of them haven't had that clear of a memory. Some of them have had similar memories. They've been like, come to think of it, I don't remember seeing that many either. So I sometimes think that, you know, uh, the God force and everything definitely sends messages out to our uh, animal brethren and our plant brethren and they oftentimes listen even better than we do so sometimes we have to pay attention to what yeah i really believe what you're saying i I really believe what you're saying (laughs) yeah because i think oftentimes too often we don't pay that much attention to what the animals are trying to tell us because you know there's imagine that uh I don't know this for a fact, but uh, I have friends in Houston, but I imagine that if I call friends of mine in Houston or in Miami, some of those animals were, you know, some of them did get caught up in the storm, but I imagine some of those animals had also migrated a little bit early because they had gotten a little bit of a sense from the uh, cosmos that uh, this storm was about to come, so I might want to.
1: Right. they'll get to higher ground or something. They'll figure it out.. Right. Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you a little story that I, that I discovered about the subconscious mind. See, the subconscious mind acts in humans just like whatever that morphogenetic field is that has, you see birds flying in, in formation? I, I can't, If I'm walking and I see birds flying, I have to stop and watch them because I'm always intrigued. Do you know they fly in formation just like fish, Swim in formation. Do you know a school of fish can be a mile long and a half a mile wide, and there can be a whale a half a mile out, you know, in front of them, and that whale can be coming to eat them. And do you know the fish at the leading point and the fish a mile back at the tail point will all move away from the whale at the same time? You know, it's it's no like – Oh, some of them left and then some of them got eaten. No, they, they move as one body. And I, I talk about the subconscious mind, and, and I learned this lesson by just di, dissecting how my intuition works through my subconscious mind. And this is what we've got to learn how to do. We've got to learn how to listen to that inner voice, that intuition, that still small voice within us. You know? And we and we got to stop making it so esoteric that people think they got to climb Mount Everest. Get it. You know, the kingdom is within you. No true teacher has ever told you that the kingdom was somewhere else. Every true teacher has told you that it's within you. And so I was telling people about my subconscious mind is my inner child, and so I I teach my, my clients who I coach to name their inner child and give it a loving name. So I call mine IC for inner child, imaginary companion. And if I'm in church, I might call it my inner Christ, right? But uh, but I call it IC. So I was going to play at a uh, this author uh, lived in Woodside, 30 miles out of San Francisco. Someone was picking me up. The car was picking me up to go perform at this writer's house. She was having a party. And so, when um, uh, a, a girlfriend of mine came to get me, this girlfriend of mine happened to be one of the top therapists in San Francisco. And she came to get me and uh, she took me out here uh, to this party. And as I was walking out of my apartment, I see my inner voice said, take that seven uh, grain loaf of bread on top of your refrigerator with you. And, and, and quite frankly, what I said to my, you know, I talk to myself all the time, you know, and, um, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit. I hope we have time to talk about the inner dialogue a lot because your inner dialogue, what you're saying to yourself, is your ID. Your inner dialogue is it, it, it will it's is creating your life by identifying with what what you're saying to yourself. So I see said, take that loaf of bread, and I discounted it, and I said basically, I'm not going to walk into these rich folks' house with a loaf of bread under my arm, guitar in the other hand, right? So I completely discounted the message. I got to the party, so I walked into the refreshment area to see if they had, you know, any bread, right? And, of course, they had bread from seven countries because this woman lived in a million-dollar house, right? Um, So after the party, my girlfriend says, hey, let's let's go – Stay at my penthouse tonight and we'll go to Garibaldis for breakfast in the morning. Now Garibaldis is the breakfast place in San Francisco. You gotta get there at 830 or you're standing down at the corner. Right? And so I said, Bet. So we went for fabulous pad, because it was way more fabulous than mine. And um and uh and and I woke up in the morning and and I smelled bacon. And I yelled down the hallway I said, what am I smelling? It, 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 sounds, it smells fabulous. And my girlfriend says, I'm cooking you breakfast, but my maid forgot to buy what? Bread. Exactly. And I yelled down the hallway, and I said, it's my fault. And she said, William Burton, you're so crazy. How is me being out of bread your fault? I said, "I see. told me to take bread to the party. I could have thrown it in the trunk of the car and, and, and just forgotten about it. And I said, and then I stopped. And I said, something inside of me trying to perfect a breakfast that I didn't know that I was going to get. And I'm telling you, this blew my mind. There's something working inside of me trying to fix my breakfast. And then it hit me. I said, if there's something trying to fix my breakfast inside of me, what about my other aspirations and my goals and my dreams for my community, for the planet, you know, for the universe? You know, and so I realized, I realized that there was something inside of me attempting to cooperate with me in making my life better, and so again I started studying the subconscious mind, man. And let me tell you, go to YouTube and study the subconscious mind. It's intriguing, and what you learn is that um, I literally think it's—I um, call it my emotion picture studio. See, because it takes your emotions and it develops them in the darkness of that studio uh, dark room, right? So it's my emotion picture studio that uh, that that creates our circumstances and our experiences. So, so the subconscious mind uh, houses a lot of stuff. It never sleeps. It, it it never sleeps. The subconscious mind never forgets. Did you know that they can hypnotize you? And if you walked to school when you were in the eighth grade, they can ask you, Something unrelated, like how many utility poles are there from your house to the school? And you could have never, you didn't ever have to count those, but your subconscious mind remembers how many utility poles. And if you go back to your original community and if everything is in place, they can count those poles and you will be 100% correct. This is how dynamic we are as beings. We just don't get a grip, we just don't know it.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times we have those inner dialogues, even with ourselves, and things of that nature, but we're afraid to acknowledge those inner dialogues.
0: Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> hey, one sec. I think we got somebody else calling in. This is uh, Mr. Scott Middleton. I'm gonna bring him in to the show. So, thank you for calling the Voice of the People. Who's on the line? Hi, uh, this is Scott Middleton,
1: and I just hey. wanted to call in and to let your fans know, and that they can listen to the repeats of your um, show on my network, Worldwide Podcasting Radio Network, and I also want to okay. say a big welcome to you guys.
0: Thank you so we, much,
1: sir. Uh, thank you.
2: We appreciate it. We appreciate it, and we definitely look forward to being part of your uh, network, and uh, definitely uh William Burton, who's our guest today. I'm sure he'll be glad to know that we'll be, uh, airing on your network. In addition to our regular shows and I Heart and things of that nature. So, uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, folks being able to find our, both our current show, as well as our past shows and our shows in the future on your network. So, uh, definitely appreciate this, uh, great opportunity to, uh, the network. And, uh, after Dean told me about it, I went and checked out some of your other shows. So definitely glad to, uh, we're part of this network and, uh, we're definitely looking forward to a uh, nice relationship with you. Yeah, I think um, a... would,
1: would, would someone send me that link, please?
0: I most certainly yeah. can. Yeah,
2: we'll definitely do that. And we got some other folks that mm-hmm. have asked that same question that wanted to find out other ways that they could hear the uh, show and things of that nature. So we'll definitely uh, add that to our connections. And William, you'll will definitely have that link in addition to uh, Dean. Why don't you go ahead and drop down some of those networks we're on and. Give the telephone numbers in case anybody else
0: wants to call in as well. I sure can. The call-in number is six four six 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 eight eight three nine three, and um, we can be found on here, at Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, YouTube, SoundCloud, um, TuneIn. So we're we're. We're here, and we're usually here every Monday night at 7 p.m. It's uh, the voice of the people with Dean Geronimo and Mark Lee. Uh, Our host, Todd Jones, is, is also will be coming in with us from time to time. So, you know, we thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. We ask that you continue to listen, and we'll keep being the voice of the people.
2: Being the voice of the people, providing you with enlightening conversations like we're having with Mr. Burton, who is always giving us some enlightening conversations and some enlightening thoughts. Um, I want to get to what you were saying about the end of the dialogue, but I was actually going to share with you all, both of you, an interesting conversation that I had. We were talking about how people's mindsets can be changed. I was actually Mm -hmm. talking over the weekend to a good friend of mine. A good friend of mine was involved, because they have a court date tomorrow, with the uh, folks that took down the Confederate statue and are now facing criminal charges. We had um, a couple of those folks on the show uh, what Was that two weeks ago, I believe, uh, Dina, was yeah. last week? Yeah. Two, weeks
0: ago. No. We had them on. yeah, two weeks ago.
2: Right, we had them on two weeks ago. So some of those people were in court, but I was talking to one of the people that we have not had on yet, Dante, um, and Dante's a long-time friend, and he was telling me an interesting conversation he had with a white supremacist. He brought white supremacy and everything, but what he did is he said that he went to a conference after they had taken down the statue and were facing all these charges, and He's a member of, like, um, union activity. That's what he's primarily known for, a union activist. So he went to a union meeting, and this one guy came up to him, and he said, you know, you may not know this about me, but I was a white supremacist back in the day. And I think basically he was a white gentleman, was about to be on the fearful side. He was like, oh, shit. I just did I understand this guy telling me, you know, white supremacist, what's going on? And this guy, proceeded to tell him, he was like basically that he was no longer a white supremacist, because Cool it had helped him realize that he didn't need to have that kind of attitude about brothers and sisters. So apparently Cool Breeze, and that's what he goes by his nickname, was basically the union foreman. So the union foreman that helped this guy get involved in the union that he was involved in and things of that nature. So after he had a very positive dealings with a brother, he realized that he needed to revisit his attitude toward us. So he was like saying, and then he proceeded to share with me. Another story, which is that I think it was either his granddad or his dad, but one of them was also very much of a racist by nature, but not Dante, um, even though Dante had some relationships with sisters and everything, if I remember correctly, but one of his relatives, I believe it was his brother, had a um, relationship and then eventually got married to a sister. And I think another brother had a relationship and got married to a sister. So they had um, babies. And, of course, the babies were interracial babies. So he said that he got a picture from this his brother's who so used to be a staunch racist carrying these uh, babies with his and basically changing his views of us because of having to deal with us on a more personal basis. So sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to, like, challenge our stereotypes by actually putting ourselves in the position of having actual relationships with the people that we want to stereotype. I think that that's part of what even we as a people have to do sometimes with our Spanish brothers and sisters because sometimes we want to stick them into the little corners because we might get on an elevator and they don't speak the same language that we do. So sometimes we have to step out of our own comfort zone, one of the things that you talked about, William, and actually learn about people and actually get to know them as real people. Well, I, I,
1: I really agree with that. And I, and I, when I went over to my distributor's house, Nanette, and she had twenty five people waiting for me, I, I realized that I, that wasn't happening in my community, you know. And I was, it was I was kind of happy and kind of jealous at the same time. I thought, why can't she just make a call out? And say, I got this dude that's got something heavy, and and, and it's it's nutritional, and it can help us create a cash flow and all of this. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people show up, and man, I, and I can't, and I haven't been able to figure out how to make that happen in my community. And and and, and so I I look around the world in the fifty countries where this product is thriving, and and I think, man, we're kind of. Uh, not catch we we need to catch up, we know you know we need we we need to, uh, yeah, we've been saying we need to unite a lot you know and and it's still true you know that, that we we need to um uh, just 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 come together and 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 love each other and 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 support each other uh, one question uh how much time do we have D? we have about
0: Fifteen good minutes. <laughs> okay, so, well,
1: I, I need to do. I need to do some selfless promotion here. Uh, the Leadership Girl Live Summit just hired the brother to headline at their women's empowerment conference. That's going to be at a winery right out of Durham, and so you can go to leadershipgirl.com right to see all of that information. But I was trying to figure out how in the world that um, these European uh, people uh, found me, embraced me, and wanted me to be their headliner, and I couldn't get a gig at the (laughs) African-American Festival. And I am the only national director of the Black Wall Street ever in the world, and, 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 you know, I made all kinds of black history myself. I was the first person, like I said, to help an AIDS person gain four pounds. I actually got fired from the hospital for doing it. So, so I, we're making history every day, but we, we have to start really paying attention to each other. When I got here, people knew, well, he's gone to college a lot, but he doesn't have a degree. Well, UNC put me on their summer faculty for three summers, right, and they didn't say he doesn't have a degree. What they did was allow me to show them what I knew, and they bought it. Right, so there's a lot of uh, brothers and sisters out there who are being ignored by the community who can contribute to the community. So don't be looking at somebody and you think that they're 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 the savior of of of, of the community because they have four PhDs. You know, they spend a lot of time uh, going to school rather than working in the street. But and I'm not knocking PhDs. I, I love people with brains and academia and stuff like that. But we've got to. Start looking at people as as real people and and figure out that everybody's got a contribution to make and 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 the, and then and then we need to honor each other uh, and uh, so I really appreciate you know getting the exposure and being able to talk about these crazy ideas I have about us being able to tap our full brain mind potential and that's why i at thirty. Uh, it's unheard of for a person to buy a guitar and then learn how to play it, let alone get a standing ovation at Ohio State University when they open for Muddy Waters. And I walk into the dressing room and Muddy poured me a glass of champagne and slapped me on the back and told me I had them fired up. You see, so we get taught by this educational system about these limitations, but we're going to have to break away from that because, uh, when we built those pyramids, we we broke away from limitations in order to do that. So we just need to recognize who we are and and recognize uh, each other. Uh, you know, as uh, I, I've ever all since I've been here, you know, I noticed that some people will hire me to play music, and some people won't hire me because I write everything I do, and they assume that uh, if I write everything I do, it's going to be boring because I'm 73 years of age. And then, uh, excuse my expression, when they come to my concert, I fire their asses up. <laughs> and then they start to understand, you know, that, that, that you can't judge people by just looking at the cover. You've got to, uh, and you said that before, Mark, you've got to have a, a, a better relationship, a closer relationship, but kind of, shall we say, an intimate relationship before you find out. What people are really about you know and so you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the community will allow me to I'm, I'm just praying that people will allow me to teach them uh, what I know because uh, uh, I, I had no concept that at 30 40 or 50 you can rebuild yourself you can you, you can you can remake you can make yourself over again into who you want to be you can become the person. That that you want to be, and it's it's it, and there's, there are steps to doing that, and and I coach people on that. So I I highly recommend that people contact me if they if they want coaching because I, I I'm a consultant for workforce development, and when people walk into my workshop at workforce development, they think I'm going to be talking to them about how to get a job, and I start telling them that their internal dialogue is the most powerful conversation in the room. Right. And then all of a sudden, the spine's kind of straightened out, you know, and, this, and the eyes get clearer because I'm not telling them about something they've got to climb Mount Everett to get. It's just like the master teacher said, the kingdom is within you. I'm bringing a version of that. Uh, the kingdom is within you. And let me tell you, we, we have so much unlimited stuff within us. We've just got to uh, dig a little deeper. You know, as 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 uh, one of the movie characters said, and, and and we we have unlimited potential. I firmly believe that.
2: Two things, but like to say we have got probably about five or six minutes to go or anything. But just real quickly, um, one of the things I've always heard is that we probably only use what about maybe. Fifteen to twenty percent of our actual brain power. So
1: that's way too generous. That's way too generous. (laughs) I say we use two percent of our brain mind potential. That's the conscious mind. Ninety-eight percent of your intelligence, your subconscious mind, is a million times more powerful. Than your conscious mind. And so you can raise your potential for accomplishing your goals by learning how to communicate with that subconscious mind. Subconscious mind, people do affirmations all the time, right? And that's great. But let me tell you the subconscious mind doesn't listen to words. The subconscious mind takes on how you feel about what you're saying to yourself, not what you're saying. Well, how you feel about what you're saying? So if so, when if Muhammad Ali had said, "I am the greatest," and was thinking, "Oh no, I'm not just great. I'm lying," right? He would have been half as successful as he was. But he felt that he was telling the truth, and then and then he went out and walked in that truth, you know, and and was a, was a force to be reckoned with. So we we have we can communicate with our subconscious in such a way that it will create future we want for ourselves I firmly believe that because I'm the guy who bought a guitar and Sounded horrible right But I just would not Give up you know and so In my so my mind Started working with me my subconscious Mind started working with me and All of a sudden things started To come come together well not all Of a sudden slowly things started To come together but meditation Was a key component Uh, Right nutrition and meditation and, and and positive affirmations, positive inner dialogue. You know, forgive yourself. You know, uh, uh, about your shortcomings. Love yourself anyway. Make a mistake and love yourself anyway. You know, because uh, you know it's not going to be perfect. You know,
2: but love yourself. It's never perfect, but yeah, like you said, we definitely have to love ourselves. And speaking of loving ourselves, as we're winding down on the show and everything, you dropped about three or four poems. I was wondering if you had. Another point that you want to drop, because one of the things we always ask at the end of the show is something that might be an inspiration to people, and you've been inspiration throughout the conversation and everything. So I didn't know if there was another point that you had that might oh, be particularly. Uh,
1: you know, I got one. This is called. I, Thought. <laughs> I asked my angel and I asked my elf. They were servants of my higher self. Why should thoughts be controlled? And they complied to help. After it is all boiled, they said, "Creative thought is all that's left." Uh, and 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 my genie said, "I am your thought genie, and you created me. I'm all your thoughts collected. Your hid hid entity. Your desire to know the truth is what has brought me here. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If you let your mind wander." Any way you please, soon your health will wander yonder, and pretty soon you'll sneeze. If you let your mind ponder on what you think you need, mental guard you will plunder by producing need weed, seeds. But let me show you a better way, my friend. We can claim the day and bring this darkness to an end. You know, we must have faith for all of us create in our innate divinity. You see, the slave, he thinks the slave master is at fault. The slave master hates anyone who can be bought but the liberated man loves them both the same but refrains from their ignorant games. Now, the fat politician can't stoop so low, has his shoes tied together in a karmic bow, and they all pray together, P-R-E-Y, as we all know, as they reap just what they sow. And we live in daily friction of cosmic contradiction and all of our afflictions or emotional addictions in daily superstition of self-imposed restrictions. So physician, heal thyself. If, on the other hand, you ponder bright sunshine, thoughts you will find produced after their own kind, thoughts non-discreet could give you aching feet, thoughts held the black might give you an aching back, thoughts of self-derision could give you rheumatism, watch out for the grumps, because you might get them up. Some say the black man's thoughts of hate darken his vehicles, and the bad vibrations turn into cells shaped like sickles, while the silent majority ponders thoughts of hate, which in turn turns into tomorrow's earthquake, selfishness. Top of list of the things I would not do One day you will understand That your small self isn't you Undress this selfishness And see it for what it is You'll find this impishness is just a gang of fears If you turn on the light The clouds begin to clear We must believe In our own divinity
2: Wow That's a great thought That uh, definitely catches a lot of what uh, William Burton is all about Hey, uh, Dave Yep but we had
0: minute was. You know what? It's right on time. We got, we got a few minutes left. That's the and that's the closing bell right there. All right, <laughs> we'll thank you, to... guys. I
1: just want to thank no you guys. No problem. This is...
0: We thank you so much for blessing us this evening, sir. We yes,
1: definitely
2: sir. appreciate, appreciate you being here on the show, William I appreciate it. And don't forget that every Monday night we're here between the hours of 7 and 9, so if you got some thoughts that you want to share or you got some poetry that you want to drop, we are an open vehicle for you, so uh, don't hesitate to call on any Monday that you feel like dropping some knowledge or dropping some thoughts because we're here every Monday between the hours of 7 and 9. As a matter of fact, next Monday we're going to be having a discussion about bluegrass music. I've got Joe Newberry, right. who is a longtime bluegrass advocate and bluegrass musician. He'll be here, as will Justin Robinson, who is a member of the Carolina Chocolate Drops, which is a blues band, but they definitely understand the importance of an instrument important to bluegrass, that being the banjo. So Justin will be here, and I think he also does the bluegrass as well. And then I've got a uh, young lady that is also scheduled to call. So we're going to have a discussion kind of about bluegrass, folk music, blues, and all of that and their connection to the African continent in addition to just how they are growing in popularity. And in the following week, I believe that if I remember correctly, we've got a gentleman that Dean has brought to the table who's going to be talking about a positive initiative, and he'll be joined on that show by Michelle Gonzalez Green, who's going to be talking about the disparity that exists in arts management. That's right. There seems to be a severe disparity in the amount of brothers and sisters that are actually on uh, in charge of major arts organizations, and definitely not enough of us on boards as well. So he's going uh, to talk about really- that as well as well as talk about public arts because she is a public arts advocate. So those are just some of the upcoming shows that we've got coming up in the next week or two. And I'm out there beating the streets trying to find us new guests as well. I know Dean's doing that. And anybody else has got folks that they would like to bring to us, don't hesitate to uh, get in touch with us. You can reach us through the uh, various avenues that Dean told you about, all of those uh, various things like – iHeart and TuneIn and the various other networks that we are on and of course you can reach me at bluesradio at gmail.com so definitely we're looking forward to bringing all kinds of enlightenment to you. Dean, how can they reach you if they need to reach you?
0: You know what, they can reach me at dean13media at com or by Twitter at Dean Geronimo, so uh, the two ways that I can be found <laughs>
2: That being said, I think that the show is almost about ready to wind on down. I think that uh, usually we would give party words of our own, but I think that we got a lot of those party words in and a lot of knowledge in through the conversation with Mister Burton. Dean, do you got anything that you want to add to the mix of what we talked about before we depart? Um,
0: You know what? I guess when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and the debts are high. And you want to smile, but have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest of you must, but don't you quit. And with that, you know, all right, I'm going to close out the show. You know, and again, Mr. Burden, thank you for blessing us this evening. Um, hey, thank you, Monday your brother, night. Mates. No problem. Monday night, seven p.m. It's the voice of the people with Mark Lee and Dean Geronimo. I'm going to close out with. Um, it's a new single by Rhapsody with uh, Jamla and Rock Nation. It's called "You Should Know." Her new album, "Laela's Wisdom," will drop on the 22nd of this month, so we hope that you go out and support that again. I'm a part of that family, so I support all things, Jamla. And um, with that, we'll see you next week. Peace.) <laughs>
3: It's screaming that the be- Don't be stressing the zeros and the commas. Looking at the condoms. No, they coming with apples and oranges. Satan playing me. I ain't Adam unless we talking about bombing over Baghdad. You look bad trying to spar with me. I'm going a lethal weapon. A saber, a razor. Dog, beta, Al Qaeda. Every friend of Jada that set it off. I'm a midget in labor. Delivering babies besides the raiders. The painters were made All tomatoes Got none. So don't come looking for favors. I'm tired of you fakers, Carolina. But I still rep the Lakers. West side, east side. Every side. My ties do with my neighbor. And pray one day I'm good with my maker Tomato, tomatoes on the fly You better watch what you say to me Everything ain't okay to me Everybody won't to me Though I know I'm a child of destiny Fulfillment is up to me Up to your neck and debt for every bet you do up against me Lord, listen, forgive me I ain't got no sympathy flowers They say it's better to die with pride than to die as a coward I say some situations call for our pride to be swallowed So we live to watch payback coming in the form a good call. Cause you know i am
4: you is all I want to do. My whole life. Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Please let your brother Busta Rhymes elaborate on this topic a little further. Another subject of love. love. Let me get on my Barry White show. Bro. royal empress queen. Damn, I so adore you. There's so many ways to describe this love I've been holding for you. I've been looking for this forever. Been searching abroad for that original woman loving to nurture to God. The power of your presence speaks even when being silent. Universal alignment, I respect your refinement. The focus to blossom this love is my only assignment. I want to provide and take care of you till we approach your timing. And when you talk your words, remind me of beautiful speeches. Say to myself, I thank God for these beautiful creatures. Usually deep be the feeling every day we meet up after we you rub my face when I'm kicking my feet up. The way you hot inside is such a beautiful reminder. The type to make me comfortable putting my seed inside her. You're such a rider, love how you're such a fighter. And I wish that I could find a way to multiply her. I give it to a gentle, then I emulsify her. And when she acts to have it, I smash till we both are tired. Put your hand up in the air, girl. Hey, girl. Let me shine my light up on you, Earth, while you in here, girl. Hey, girl. Damn, got me swing girl what makes it hotter is mommy a Godfriend, girl yeah baby you special you're a one of one if the decision's up to us we ain't never done let's get back to the fun <laughs> we'll
0: see y'all next week